with the second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 41 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I'm going to speak about the Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers drama unfolding. Um, and I'm going to give my thoughts on the NFL draft and the Jets draft in particular. So I'll start with the Rodgers talk. So on Thursday afternoon, like, you know, probably three hours, I want to say three hours before the draft, no, four hours before the draft started at about four o'clock Eastern Thursday afternoon, a report dropped from Adam Schefter claiming that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay and that he is convinced he's never going to play for them and fuck that. Well, he didn't say all that, but I I, I added it for him <laughs> and, and all of that. And, and it sent shockwaves through the football world because it was, granted, it's been a kind of a tug, a tug of war and back and forth between Rodgers and Green Bay and the press, but nothing big enough to garner a big story just oh he wants to re- he want uh, green, green green bay is concerned about restructuring him rogers might want an extension you know murmurs and then rogers or rogers you know basically took a match to the entire thing and lit it on fire and here we are now rogers is at odds with them he doesn't think he's going to play for them again the packers as of today are digging in that we're not going to trade you we love you you know, please, please stay with us. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever expression you want to use with how the Packers are running around right now, that's that applies. We we could use. So, look, I I don't think that this is all about football, right? Like the Packers roster is good. I I don't think it's as good as some of the some of the people who are killing Aaron Rodgers think it is and I'll get into that later but it's a good roster and as of right now it gives him the best chance to get back to the Super Bowl um like unless San Francisco just says fuck it and trades for him anyway despite drafting Trey Lance at three if that happens then okay forget what I said but I'm assuming that they're they are off the table if they're off the table then yes the best chance Aaron Rodgers has of going to the Super Bowl is remaining in Green Bay so I don't think this is all about football. Like, I think, look, we we all know where this started. Once the Packers traded up at that to draft Jordan Love, that's when Rodgers started side-eyeing the organization because he feels as if they just, as if he doesn't have any control left over his future. They are telling him that his time is almost up. And then add to the fact that they didn't even bother to call him and tell him that they were doing that. So he wasn't blindsided by it. And you can understand why Rodgers is pissed off. Like you you drafted his successor and he had to find out like all of us found out on TV or radio or smoke signal. However the fuck Aaron Rodgers found out what he found out. He had to find out just like we did. Of course he's pissed off. I don't blame him for being pissed off. Like the least you look, the Bears drafted the Bears traded up for Justin Fields on Thursday night, rightfully so because, I mean, the, the, there's only so much bullshit that you could peddle in your fans' faces, and I'll touch on that later too. But there's only so much bullshit you could peddle in your fans' faces, and throwing out Andy Dalton with no with no kind of hope behind him is ridiculous. So they had to they did what they had to do, and they called Andy Dalton. To tell him, yeah, we're moving up for for, for Justin Fields. We we just want to let you know. They didn't have to show him. They they didn't have to show. Andy Dalton hasn't done dick, let alone done anything for the Bears. Andy Dalton's been a decent professional for whatever, thirteen years, twelve years, however long he's been in the league. I I can't remember when he I can't remember when he was drafted. Probably ten years, something like that. He's been in the league for a while, but he ain't done nothing for the Bears. You don't have to call him and tell him anything. He, has, he hasn't done dick. And yet they called him and they had the common courtesy to tell him, like, yeah, we're drafting Justin Fields. As if 
like as if Andy Dalton was in any kind of position to have any pushback, as if he's not getting paid ten million dollars for some damn reason in the first place. Like I'm sure that conversation was mad short, but they did it. When New England drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, they called Tom Brady, told him ahead of time, yes. Tom Brady is the most accomplished Patriot ever, blah, 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 the quote-unquote goat, da, 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 whatever. But they called him and they told him. That's how teams operate. At least when they respect you. He doesn't feel like he's being respected. And then look, if the reports of Rodgers wanting a raise and Green Bay balking at the thought of it are true, then one can fairly conclude that Green Bay is playing hardball partially because they have a first-round quarterback that they just traded up for waiting in the wings. So basically, every 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 thought that you can have about why Rodgers is pissed goes back to them drafting Jordan Love in round one. I don't. I think it's really simple on that front. Like that pissed them off for a lot of reasons. The football side is they 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 had a first round pick and they use it on a guy who did not help them. I don't know if if Rodgers cares about the AJ Dillon selection, but that didn't make anything better. They used their first two picks last year on two dudes who were not going to help them in the playoffs at all, and it, and it, and it went that way. Aaron Jones even left the game, and Aaron, and AJ Dillon didn't didn't help in the, in the NFC title game. So ultimately, like everything comes back to Jordan Love. I don't think the feud is all about the roster. As I said, it's a it's a really good roster. It's not great, and ultimately, the last what decade. The, the Packers have put some really bullshit defenses around Rodgers. Like, that's the biggest problem. The offense, I think the the complaints about the offense are a little bit uh, are, are a little bit overblown. Like, yes, currently the, their, their, their offense is basically Devontae Adams in a cloud of dust. Well, their pass-catching core. Like, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and allow you to tell me that Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling with the brick hands are difference makers because they are not, okay? They're not. Flat out, they're not. I'm not saying they're even terrible or bad. They're, they're just not difference makers like that. Robert Tonyan is cool, I guess. He ain't knocking nobody's socks off. But the roster is still good. And, like, yes, the money is a part of it, but the money ties into the biggest problem. They don't. They, they act like they don't respect him. And they act like they don't appreciate him. Like, look, we, we can talk about feelings all, all we want. We can talk about how feelings shouldn't matter and this, that, and the third. At the end of the day, all of these dudes are human. All of them are human. All of them got feelings. All of them handle shit however they want to handle it and so on and so forth. Like, drafting his potential replacement and not and letting him find out the same way we all did is just not good form. Because this is Aaron Rodgers. Like, this is not... This is not the Jets drafting Mark Sanchez's replacement five years ago. This ain't that. This is not the Jets drafting Josh McCown's replacement. This is not... This ain't that, man. This is not the Giants drafting Daniel Jones' replacement once they they come to to the realization that he ain't shit. This ain't that. Like, Rodgers is the best player in their franchise history. Period. Bar none. That, 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 That just isn't the way to treat the best player in your franchise history. And as much as like we we talk shit about sports owners and the shit that they do and they don't do and all of that, Green Bay doesn't even have an owner. I think that's kind of part of this. I feel like an owner would do a better job of seeing what Rodgers has given to the team, given to the city, given to the organization, and respecting it accordingly. Like I'm not saying all owners are good at that. I'm I'm not saying that. But for the most part, we could we could gripe, we can gripe with owners. For a lot of different things, but typically they treat the legends of their teams pretty well. So, just I mean, like he 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 has plenty of reason to be upset with the Packers, and it goes back a long time. Like like they they sat there with their dicks in their hands with Mike McCarthy as a coach for a long time, and we. A lot of us, anyway, saw, saw that he was clueless. I mean, Mike McCarthy is the same guy who kicked field goals from the one-yard line three different times in an NFC title game. On the road, no less. He did that, right? Look, at this stage of the game, Rodgers and Green Bay are probably the best fits for one another. As I said, if San Francisco wants to throw their hat in the ring, 
that changes the whole calculus of this combo. Fine. But but realistically, they are the best fit for each other. If if Rodgers had demanded this trade a month ago, a month and a half ago, maybe I'm singing a different tune. But as of now, they are probably the best fits for each other. But also, to 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 circle back to um what I mentioned that I was talking about later on, the um the public perception and the and the, the people who are killing Rogers, you know, you know, on TV, social media, blah blah blah, you know, oh, how much more does he need? Da da da, and this and this standard, they're loaded and this standard. Look, if you think that this beef is about the the supporting cast Aaron Rodgers has, you you don't under you don't really understand what's going on. It's because it's not, it's not. Like he does, he wants to feel respected. Because again, you could do a lot worse than throwing to Devontae Adams, having Aaron Jones in the backfield, having a good offensive line, having Robert Tanyan. If you believe that that dude is good, whatever. Like you could do a lot worse than that. I'm not saying they have a great receiving core. Because again, Devontae Adams and a bunch of Jags just isn't it for me. Aaron Rodgers can make that work because he's a bad MF. Like he could work make that work because he's that dude, right? But I don't th- this ain't about that. And even if it was, look at the kind of defenses they've been giving Rodgers for a decade. Look at them. Like th- their defenses have been tra- their, their defenses have been bullshit for for the better part of a decade. Is that like does Rodgers care that much about it? I'm not sure. I don't know him. But it would be impossible not to notice. I mean, they got to the to the NFC title game against the Falcons in whatever year that the Falcons blew blew the a million point lead in the fucking Super Bowl, and they gave up what, what like seventy points in the, in the in the title game. Like that's what I'm talking about. They had some dude covering Julio and like shadowing him basically the the whole game, and that dude is so bad and was so bad on that particular evening that I don't even remember his name. I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I'm like. I think his name, his number was twenty three and everything. He was and Julio was dog walking this young man the entire football game. And it's like you can't even blame him because he's not qualified to do this. He's not. He's not. He's not qualified to do this. Like they they asked that man to show up to take the final of of, of physics when he's been taking a biology class the whole semester. That, that That's the equivalent of what they did to that young man that day when they had him lined up with Julio, following him all over the place. And Julio was dog-walking that guy. But the, 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 this is not about the roster. And even so, okay, fine. You you think that, oh, well, oh, they're the number one offense. Like, bro, you they're the number one offense because they have Aaron Rodgers, man. That's it. If you replace them with, if you replace Aaron Rodgers with a league average quarterback, where do you think? What conversation do you think we're having? Oh, well, Matt Lafleur has won twenty six games and two. I mean, that's great. Matt Lafleur has done a good job. But come on, Aaron Rodgers is the straw that makes the stir drink. I mean, the the, the straw that stirs the drink. Excuse me. He is without Aaron Rodgers, nothing, nothing of the sort is happening. Period. We can make it about whatever we want, but that 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 is simply the truth. And, and the thing is, the the same people who are who are who are belly aching about Aaron Rodgers daring to have a problem with the organization that has fucked him repeatedly for the last decade are the same people who who are who are saying, "Oh, the Packers shouldn't trade him. They have nobody to replace him. If they're so damn good all over the place and they're this, that, and the third, why not?" What's the problem? Why are they why are they terrified to replace him? They just drafted a quarterback in round one last year. How much time does he need to play? Like quarterbacks play now. Quarterbacks get drafted and they play pretty much immediately. This dude has had a whole year off to had a whole year to watch Aaron Rodgers and learn. And Matt LaFleur Matt LaFleur seems to know what he's doing and he has arguably the best receiver in the sport and one of the best offensive lines in the sport. So why so why not just why not just trade Rodgers for for all you could get? He's thirty seven years old after all, and go play Jordan Love. Since it's so fucking easy with what they have, go play Jordan Love then. What's the problem? Well, what more does he want? What more does he want? As if as if this is about football. We you don't even know if it's about football. All we know is that he wants out. And all y'all are doing is guessing. But fine, do that and see what happens. Let's see what happens. Like, go play Drew and Love. Go ahead. Go play Drew and Love next year and see what happens. I have a feeling it's not going to work out that well for Green Bay if they go out there and they go play Drew and Love. 
like Aaron Rodgers is one of the singular talented quarterback in league history. Arguably the most talented quarterback in the in the sports history. Like best greatest, I'm not getting into that. Different different topic, different day. Beaten to death topic, different day. But he's arguably the most talented quarterback of all time. Go go replace him with Joy Love and, and, and report back to me how that goes. Go ahead. Ultimately look, I, I don't I I tend to believe that it's gonna end with Aaron Rodgers on a different team because if Aaron Rodgers is petty enough to not talk to his own family members, and, and that's another reason I, I fuck with Rodgers. In case it, and another reason why why I sided with him is I, I've been you know, I'm a Jets fan. I ain't got no interest in playoff football because my team never makes it to the playoffs. So I've been rooting for Aaron Rodgers to win for a long time. Aaron Rodgers is arguably my favorite quarterback ever. So I, lo- I, I love the guy. And part of the reason I love the guy is he ain't taking no bullshit, not even from his own family members. He he's not gonna fake the funk just just because they got the same they they got the same bloodlines. Like if he don't fuck with you, he don't fuck with you. And if Aaron Rodgers is willing to do that with family members, I'm assuming he is a man of principle and he's willing to take this however far he needs to take it to get the fuck out of Green Bay. And thusly, I don't think the pa- I don't think the Packers want to fight a petty war with Petty LaBelle, aka Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they want to do that. So ultimately, I think he's he's gone. And football wise, I'm not sure there's a, there's another location that gives him a better chance to get to the Super Bowl. So I will talk selfishly. I need Rodgers in Denver. I need it. And ultimately, like I think I I'm t- I tend to believe something is uh, something is in the works with Denver because why would they why would they sit there with Mac Jones and Justin Fields on the board and take a corner when when they have Drew Locke's bum ass at quarterback? Why? So I think I think something is in the works personally. But Rodgers to Jerry Judy is something that I need like I need air. So give me that. Do I think they're going to win a Super Bowl? No. Like unless something unless something drastically changed with their defense, I don't think they're going to win a Super Bowl. But watching Jerry Judy smoke DBs and actually get the ball thrown well would be fantastic. And that's what Rodgers provides, and that's what Drew Locke does not provide when he's throwing shit off, off his back hip, you know, in the dirt, one hop over his head, all kind of shit. So I need Rodgers to Jerry Judy. But ultimately, like, as, as a fan of Rodgers, I hope he gets what he wants, and I hope he gets what, whatever makes him happy. Like, if it's a him issue, if it's a him and his his fiance, like, whatever's going on, I hope him and everybody around him are happy because I fuck with Aaron Rodgers. But the Packers can kick rocks. Ultimately, they can, and especially, you know, one, one, one more parting shot before I, before I leave this topic. We all saw what Kevin King did in the Super Bowl. Um, in the NFC title game, right? We saw it. We, we saw it, right? Got absolutely murdered left and right in that game. Including the 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 ill-advised um, cover zero before halftime that 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 the Buccaneers called. I mean that the that the that, that the Packers called where Scotty Miller scored the touchdown, the quote unquote hail mary, and he got smoked on that too. And they brought him back after all of that. If I was Rodgers, I'd have called in right there, like yo, bro, I'm not coming back. If you gonna bring that dude back after that, like why am I coming back for what? But either way, the the theme here is about respect. Okay, moving on to the NFL draft. So, um, so I'll start with the Jets. I'll start with them, and I'll um, touch randomly on a few things. I don't, I don't have a lot of deep analysis here because I don't know a lot of these dudes, quite frankly. But I mean, if you know me at all, it's, it's it, it won't surprise you where I go with this, right? So, what about the Jets? I'll start with them. Um, it's it's. It's so staggering, and you know what you know what it's like. It, it, it's like you're you're dating a whole bunch of people. Like you've dated a whole bunch of people. You're an adult. You've dated a whole bunch of people, and for some reason, I'm not gonna get into the why, but you keep running into trash people. Like you keep dating trash people, like not relationship kind of people. 
Like you keep just running into these people and whatever they're doing wrong, like it it just it's a lot to handle or whatever else. And then and then you meet this person and like they're just doing you know, normal normal really normal things and you're just blowing it out of proportion because you're used to such trash. Like, oh my god. He took out the garbage, that was so sweet. <laughs> Oh my God! He got up and and he made the bed this morning. That was so sweet. Like like shit like stupid shit like that. Like probably not the best examples, but you know what I mean. Like the bar is in hell. Is basically what I'm getting at. Because Mike McCagnan, I'm not gonna get too far into him on this particular podcast because I want it to be positive. But what he did with Sam Darnold was malpractice. What he did, period, was malpractice. But but that part of it was especially egregious malpractice. Dra- drafting him and then proceeding to promptly put nothing around him. It was fucking malpractice and he should be arrested. And I hope all the coffee that he, all the coffee that he drinks from now until the, end, until the end of his days is cold and terrible. But uh, but but you know, on, on the subject of this draft, um would I have taken Zach Wilson at two? Would I have, would I have, would I prefer Zach Wilson at two? No, I, I I think Fields is a better prospect. But I made my peace with Zach Wilson a long time ago because it was the worst kept secret. On Earth. It was the worst kept secret on earth that the Jets had had a had a thing going on with Mister Wilson. So I made my peace with that. And the thing is, I, I I am at peace with it because I feel like if Zach Wilson doesn't succeed. It's more about him than than his surroundings, because I feel pretty comfortable, especially after watching how this draft unfolded. I feel pretty comfortable believing that Douglas and the current coaching staff, um, led by Robert Sala and company, are going to put him in the best positions to succeed and and put him put him around the best people to succeed with. So I'm at peace with it. He looks like an exciting prospect. He looks like he's fun to watch. He has some irrational confidence. So I, I'm telling you, there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some terrible football games in his rookie year. I mean, shit, they might never really go away. But you just hope that the high moments kind of mitigate whatever the low moments are. But he he has that he has that physical arrogance about him. Like as far as his arm and what kind of throws that he can attempt or wants to attempt, so there's gonna be some three interception, four interception type of games, and you just gotta get used to it and and get ready, get ready and prepare for it because it's gonna happen. He's a rookie who 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 borders on irrational confidence. That's gonna happen, but I'm at peace with it, and I hope he rocks out. Um, they then traded up at. They traded up from 23 to 14, giving up their two third-round picks in the process and gaining a fourth-round pick. And, look, is, is that a little bit rich to trade to move up for a guard? Yeah, probably. Especially on a team with as many holes as the Jets do have. Yeah, I, I could see why somebody would be unhappy with it, right? I thought it was a little rich. But personally... I spent way too much time bitching about what they didn't do for Sam Darnold to really get carried away because they traded two third-round picks to move up for a guard. Look, they they made it a priority with their first four picks to to I mean well, well excuse me their first three picks outside of uh, Wilson. They made it a priority to get get him help. They they got him somebody to block. They got they got him somebody to run routes and catch, and they got him somebody to run the ball and also run routes and catch. They they have made it a priority to help him, and and, and while also making it a priority to you know join the rest uh, the the rest of the people in twenty twenty the rest of the teams in twenty twenty one actually trying to score points. Because we we've been watching we've been I've been watching the Jets try and win games fourteen to ten my entire life, and let me tell you, it's not fun. Like it defies anything logical, and it's never worked. So, so it makes you wonder why they keep doing it. But I'm I'm glad that we decided to join everybody else in the current NFL and try and score. And also, one of these stupidest fucking tweets I seen over the weekend was from Rich Semini, and I shouldn't be surprised because the Jets beat is just there to antagonize. They ain't got no sources. They ain't got no people. 
Like they don't even break stories no more. They're just they they're just there to gaslight and antagonize the fan base. And look, I'm not gonna pretend like Jet fans don't deserve it to some degree, but but the Jets do at least in the past have done way too much stupid shit to actually have to make shit up to to bash them. You you don't have to look far. Mike McCagnan gave you plenty. You don't have to you don't have to reach. You don't have to make shit up. Either way, his tweet was um oh the Jets gave up. Whatever it, a thousand points, whatever the fuck it was last year. I'm just saying because they, they they drafted a whole bunch of offensive players to start the draft, and it's like, sir, the Jets won two games last year. They scored like 12 points total. They they stunk everywhere. So I I mean, if they took two defensive players and two offensive players, you'd probably be like, you know what? They're not really doing much to help Zach Wilson. So you just wanted to find an angle to create to um to fit whatever narrative you were trying to push because all you're here to do is to gaslight. When the fuck was the last time Rich Semini broke a story? When? And I say this to somebody who does not follow him on on the Twitter cuz Rich the Rich Semini hasn't wrote anything useful in about a decade. Honestly, and I, I know this sounds like I'm unloading on Rich Semini and I am. And that's fine cuz I I've never really cared for his for his particular style. And I don't care if writers want to be pessimistic. If the team stinks, you should be. Please do not get me twisted. If the team stinks, you absolutely should cover it like it is. But like like Rich doesn't just take the lead. And it's not just him, but like he's the one I've seen the most. So I'm going to focus on him and say, look, why, why do you need to force it? The Jets have given you plenty and plenty of layups time and time and time again to bash them. You don't need to look far. You don't need to reach. You don't need to do cartwheels. You don't need to do none of that shit to bash the Jets. It's right there. I do it every day. And I've done it every day for years. Like, I've, I've settled down with Joe Douglas because he hasn't given me much of a reason to do it. But I've done it every, every day for years. Like, there, there, there's no reaching to bash the Jets. You don't have to. But either way, I've given way too much time to Rich to me. I, apologies. Um, I, I appreciated the trade up because hey, you're giving him, you're 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 giving him, um, you're giving your quarterback protection. And then the the Elijah Moore pick was my favorite one of the draft. I loved it. Like I wanted him. I in in the mock that I did for. Um, Makamania over on Ascension Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on YouTube as well. Um, with the Middle Initial Podcast with Jude Jackson and Andrew Case, and the, the podcast that no one asked for with Kyle, Paulie, and Jordan. But um, over there, like I, I had him, I took him in the third round. Granted, it's different because he went in the second round of this one, but I took him in the third round. He's an exciting prospect. I've seen like Steve Smith comparisons. AJ Brown apparently thinks the world of him. Like, um, judging on the video that we saw after he was drafted, uh, and also shout out to, shout out to Arthur Juan Brown. Um, if you want to come play for the Jets, you can at any time, sir. Anytime, I'll I'll gladly show you around the city too. But um, um, yeah, and I I love the pick. He's a dynamic talent. But like, look, being good. Is is the name of the game, right? At football, watching your team be good at football is the name of the game. But yo, being fun is cool too. And the Jets aren't going to be good this year. Like the Jets, uh, uh, Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, and a draft class is not going to make make a two win team an eleven win team. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to be good. There's going to be growing pains. You know, there's going to be some bad football. Blah 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 along the lines. But having fun football players is cool too. And that's the thing with the Jets. For the most part, for the last 10 years, the Jets have been bad and boring. You got to pick one. You got to pick a struggle. You can't be both bad and boring. You could be bad or you could be boring. You, it, being both is terrible. And the Jets have largely been that for the last decade. People, Players like Elijah Moore are fun. He runs crazy routes. He has good speed. He has good ball skills. You know, He, he, he produced like hell in the SEC. Really good talent. And I really appreciated the pick. I really appreciated the pick. And having a wide receiver core featuring Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder for now, Keelan Cole, and Elijah Moore is such a far cry from what we're used to as Jets fans. 
like, is it the world's greatest wide receiver core? No. But instead of having, like, the 28th best receiver core like we've had for a decade, basically, you know, instead of that, we have, like, the 14th best or so. Like, we're, we're moving on up. And if Denzel, Mim, Denzel Mims take a, takes a significant step forward, like, we might be talking about, we, we could be talking about a top 10 receiver core. You never know. But I was extremely happy with the pick. Um, as much as I talk shit about running backs, I'm going to talk shit about running backs in, in this podcast in a little bit. Um, the Michael Carter pick I liked. I really liked because I was terrified the Jets were going to take Travis Etienne or Najee Harris in the first round like morons. I was terrified of that shit. And then they didn't. And then they ended up with a guy who, like most of, these, uh, most of the draft people who know more about this than me, like him. They think he's a really good prospect. Like, I saw somebody compare him to, like, a Kirkland brand Dalvin Cook, which I don't I don't know where the comp is there, but, okay, I'll take it if that's what he ends up being. And, you know, he can, he, he can, he can catch passes. You know, he's quick. He has good vision. He might not be in every down back per se, but he sounds like exactly the type of weapon the Jets need, and I'm happy with that pick. I will marry you. Damn! I mean, are you happy now? In the last two years, the Jets have had five picks in the first two rounds, and they've used them all on offensive players. Mekhi Becton, Denzel Mims, Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore. That's beautiful, and I love the philosophy. Like, Joe, Joe Douglas used all the high capital um, all the high capital picks, high value picks on offensive players because the Jets' offense needs everything basically needs a lot it needs a ton so he used all the high value picks on the offensive players and now you have you have a defensive coach who you feel like can get the most out of whatever you give him so you you know you give him talented players they might not be blue chip prospects cool but you give him talented players who might and you know he has to figure out where to use them like you take all the athletic dart throws with with the um with the late picks on defense, which I appreciate. Could the Jets have used a higher pick on a corner? Probably, I guess. But if you believe that Robert Sala can get the most out of whatever defensive players he could put around him, and I mean, given his tenure in San Francisco, you can make that argument pretty easily. Then yeah, hell yeah, use you using the um using the higher draft picks on offense makes sense, and it just does generally because yo it's 2021, it's not 1987 anymore. It's not like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to join everybody else in 2021. You know the the uh, it's a passing league, it's a score score points league. Like not everybody plays that way, but a lot of a lot of teams do, and you have to keep up. And trying to win games thirteen to ten like the Jets have been trying to do the last twenty years just ain't it. So I think that philosophy makes a ton of sense. I mean Joe Joe trades up and down the board however he sees fit. Um, I don't have a lot of commentary there. All all of the trades that I saw make sense basically. Um, the the trades he made later on I'm not gonna pretend, I'm not gonna pretend like I cared about him trading up and down the fifth round. Go for it. Do you do do whatever you want. Have fun. Enjoy. But um, yeah. Ultimately, like just Joe. Joe. I don't know how good a GM Joe Douglas is. I do know that it's nice to have an adult in the room who knows what the hell he's doing and is a professional. Unlike the last doofus that ran the damn team. It's nice to have a guy who has a clue. Like, okay, this works. This doesn't. We need this. You know what, what? What kind of team are we trying to be in 2021? Where is the league trending? Like this guy has a clue on all fronts, and obviously he has a scouting background that helps. And I'm, I'm glad he's my team's GM. And not not even, again, not because I think he's great, because he has he still has to prove it. But bro, if the process makes sense, I I could only complain but so much. The results are what they are. We'll see what happens. I'm a big process guy. Like, the process, I'm not going to say it's more important than the results, because that's not fair. But if the process makes sense, I can't really be that mad at the results. If you put the right players, or, or if you put the right players on the field, you got the right coach or whatever, and, and you win seven games, it happens that way. Like, if they stink, the players stink, whatever, it happens that way. Then fine, you're going to get fired, obviously. But I can't be mad at the results. 
if your process stinks, th then the then the results likely are going to stink unless you're really lucky. And then I'm going to be mad because then the process stinks and the results stink. So not only do you do stupid shit, but then you 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 put a st you put stupid shit on the field, and then then and then your record looks like stupid shit. Nobody needs that. But I'm glad he's my team's GM, and I'm glad the Jets didn't take a, a running back early because that was my only real concern in this draft. And speaking of taking running backs early, um, my commentary on the rest of the draft is not going to be long because I, I, I'm not going to, again, as I said in the opening, I don't know these players, and I'm not going to pretend like I, I care that much about these draft picks. Um... First start with the San Francisco 49ers taking Trey Lance at three. Common sense finally prevailed. Mac Jones is cool. I, I'm not sitting here, and I'm glad he went to New England. He, I'm glad he went to New England so I could I could have fun hating him. Uh, he's not a bad prospect. Like, please do not get any of my Mac Jones slander twisted. I'm not saying he's a bad prospect. Do I think he's a particularly good one? No. I think he's a regular, above-average prospect. Like. If if you'd have said he was taken at twenty two, it's like okay, fine. E even fifteen is fine, but the idea of him being taken third never made any sense. Because why would you take him third? It never made any. It never made any sense. Like what planet is t it, 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 does Mac Jones being what he is in two thousand twenty one being taken third make any sense? It doesn't. Ma it doesn't make any sense, especially when you have Justin Fields right there. It's one thing if Justin Fields and um, Trey Lance didn't exist. Or they weren't just objectively more appealing prospects. Fine, then then take Mac Jones and be done with it. But they were both there, so that that was, you know, see, seeing Trey Lance. Uh, I was with one of my friends who was a Niners fan, and I I wanted him to melt down so bad. And unfortunately, they didn't give me what I wanted, and they took Trey Lance. They actually, you know, did the sensible thing. But um. Ultimately, yeah, common sense finally prevailed, and Kyle Shanahan is 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 not the moron a lot of us thought he was about about this time last week. And speaking of quarterbacks, um, the Bears got the Bears got Justin Fields at twelve, which was interesting. Um, when they when they traded up, I, I was convinced that they were trading up for Mac Jones because, well, we we know the Bears the Bears have a particular affinity for white quarterbacks. So I, I was like, oh, they're trading for McDonald's, and then they took Justin Fields. And I mean, I, I don't know if that's the best situation for him because he's 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 being thrust into a situation where the roster is particularly good. We don't really believe in the play caller, fair or not. We don't really believe in the play caller, and we have a GM and a head coach who aren't really best served taking their time with Justin Fields because they are both fighting for their jobs. I am assuming anyway. Because they've been both of them have been very underwhelming for however however long. You know, they they drafted Mitch Trubisky that was that was awful. It was a disaster. And they've both been pretty eh for for a minute. So they they are fighting for their jobs. I don't think they're going to do I don't think they're going to take their time with Justin Fields. They're going to throw him in whenever they feel Whenever they see fit, and by that I mean week one, because you're not starting. If you're trying to save your job, Andy Dalton has never saved a single job in his life. He is not saving nobody's job. If you are trying to save your job, you are starting Justin Fields. You're hoping for the best, and if he stinks next year, then you fire everybody, and then you hope that the next coaching staff can get the most out of him. But ultimately, I don't think that was the. I don't think that's the right spot for him. But I think he's a good enough prospect where it might not matter. And and hey, there there are a lot worse things than being able to throw to Allen Robinson, D Darnell Mooney, um, and Cole Komet. Like that's it. That, that's not the world's greatest trio of wide receivers, but it's a pretty good one. Like, that's a pretty good receiving core. So I I hope he succeeds. I I, re I like the young man and I like his story and I I want him to make a lot of people eat their fucking words. So ho I hope he succeeds. And um, yeah, on to the running back. So I, I, I'll get I, I I like to get shit off my chest on this particular podcast. So I'll start with the Jaguars, right? So at twenty five, I want to say it was twenty five, they took Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson. Look, I, I'll make my argument clear. I mean, if if you've seen my tweets at all for any for any amount of time, you know my thoughts on this. Running backs just don't fucking matter. 
They don't. You can find them anywhere. You can find them in a lot of places. And they, more importantly, they are more dependent on their surroundings than any other position. Yes. Do some running backs transcend this? Yes. But not many. And I don't know if any of the running backs in the NFL today qualify. And before you bring me Derrick Henry, please point to me what the fuck the Titans were doing before Tannehill got there. Their little eight and nine win season was wasn't moving no goalpost. So they at least needed a good quarterback. Whether you you think Tannehill does more for Henry or Henry does more for Tannehill, I, I've 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 done that debate before. I'm not doing it today. But they they needed each other, and Ryan Tannehill. What Ryan Tannehill was needed in that case more than Derrick Henry was because again, what were they doing before Ryan Tannehill got there? But either way, yeah, some running backs do transcend situation and all that, but for the most part, they are they are dependent on their surroundings. So thus, spending high capital on people who are dependent on surroundings when the surroundings ain't up to snuff doesn't make a lot of fucking sense. So that that's that's the argument narrowed down to a couple sentences. I could go on and on. I can make an entire episode about how running backs don't fucking matter, but I won't. Um, <laughs> either way, the the Jaguars ran into whatever thirteen hundred yard rusher James Robinson from last season, and he was undrafted. They gave him the rock. They let him cook all the way for what thirteen hundred rushing yards, and it was great. Life was good. You got cheap ass production at the running back position, which is what you should want. Because it's 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 the it's one of the most dispensable positions in the sport. Jerry Jones money, nigga, you are running back. But then the Jaguars decided, alright, we're gonna get all of that from this undrafted free agent who were paying pennies at that position, and we're gonna go we're gonna draft the same position in round one. Why well, I don't know. And let me make this clear too, while I'm here. R- running the ball is important. I'm not disputing that. I did, I'm not one of those who thinks you could just throw the ball 75 times a game. Running the ball is important. Running the ball well, rather, is important. Not just running it, just do it. I don't believe in none of that. Yeah, you got you got to you got to establish the run so you can you could play action even if, even if you're averaging like two and a half yards a carry. You got to establish. I'm not I'm not one of those who believes you have to establish the run at all costs. But running the ball well is important. So please do not get me twisting on that. I just don't think who running the who's running the ball is important. That's the problem. Hence why I will pretty much in ninety nine out of hundred cases I think spending a first round pick on a running back is a bozo move. Ninety nine out of hundred. Like if you think he's the last piece and your roster is just that fire and it doesn't matter what you do, then sure, do be my guest. Like the Chiefs took Edwards Alaire last year. I didn't say shit about that because who cares? They got Patrick Mahomes. They got that roster. Like. All right, you th- you think Clyde is is gonna help you that much? Go ahead, be my guest. But back to the Jaguars. And the thing with taking Travis Etienne twenty, like he's a good player. I'm not knocking the player at all. Do you think, uh, based on what I am saying, like based on my opinion, that running backs don't really fucking matter, and you know, running the ball matters, but who's doing it doesn't. Do you think the Jaguars or any team that typically takes a running back in round one? Is going to use said running back creatively, creatively enough for it to matter. Because to me, if you're going to take a running back like that, he has to be used. Like he has to be done. He has to be used in in the passing game to an extreme degree to make it worth it. Like unless, well, within the Jaguars' context, because the Jaguars aren't very good. That's part of the context here. They 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 have lost the last fifteen football games they played in. So do I think they're going to use him effectively enough? Like, are they going to spin him out wide enough? Because I feel like that's that's a big part of it. In 2021, the passing game is king. Like, yes, running running the ball is important. But for the most part, uh, the better teams, running, running the ball is supplementary. Like, it, like it, it, it's the supplement. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, the, it ain't, it ain't the, the main course. Like, you can do it, and sometimes you need, and most times you need to do it, but it ain't, it ain't why you got there, it ain't why you're, you're trying, it ain't why you get to where you want to go either. So, <clears throat> I, I just don't think that, that you're going to use somebody like Etienne enough or effectively enough or creatively enough 
for it to be worth it to the Jaguars in particular because they're not very good. So I'm not particularly, I, I don't understand why they did it. Because to me, it, Etienne and Robinson would be perfect if they, ju- if they just let Robinson get, you know, 60% of the carries, 55% of the carries, whatever. Let Etienne get the rest. And then, and then whenever he, and then just give, give, give Robinson entire drives and let Etienne come out and line up in the slot, line up in the X, line up at the Z, whatever. And and let him roam around and let him cause havoc if if he's built that way. Like I'm not sure if Etienne could be a full time wide receiver, but to me, if you're go- those are the only types who are worth a first round pick as a running back. And teams who are taking running backs in the first round are not going to use them enough in that capacity to make it worth it, in my opinion. So I just don't understand why teams continue to do it, and I don't understand why the Jaguars did it because they. They just aren't close to anything. By the time, but by the time the Jaguars are, are ready to compete for anything, what's Etienne going to be like? His third year in the league, fourth, maybe. It just it just doesn't make a lot of sense. The Steelers did it too. They drafted Najee Harrison's like guys. You you have a you have a broken down, rotting corpse of a quarterback. You got no offensive line. Why are you taking a running back at twenty three or twenty five or whatever the hell they took it? Well, why are you taking a running back? Why? And and we can't even make the same passing game argument for Travis Etienne. I mean, for Najee Harris that we could for Travis Etienne. Like he, he don't got it like that. Like he can catch, yes. I get that, and I'm not, and, and I'm not saying he can't be used in the passing game at all. But you, you, you're not, you're not lining up Najee Harris in the slot unless I missed something along the lines, uh, unless I missed something with his resume, and. Um, film breakdowns that I've watched of him, like you're not getting that. So he, it's a relative, it's relatively straightforward what you're getting out of him. And the Steelers did this, knowing that their offensive line is garbage and knowing that their quarterback is garbage. Why? Why? I, I just like was James Conner that bad that you felt like you needed to do this? Because I I realized that James James Conner was wildly bland, like he was effective, you know, when when given opportunities and he wasn't getting smacked in the back in the backfield, but he was wildly bland. Okay, understood. You take Najee Harris, then what? Is he going to get you any closer to competing for a title? No, you got a you got no quarterback. So all right, great. You're going to give him the ball. You're gonna give him the ball twenty times a game. Great. You're gonna get your money's worth. Great. And you ain't gonna win shit. So if you ain't close to winning nothing, which the Steelers aren't, you're taking a court, you're taking a running back in the twenties because why? What does that serve? What purpose does that serve? Like, is he moving the goalposts for the Steelers that much? Like, of all the positions to take, you chose that one. I, I, I don't understand it. And, you know, one more thing about the draft before I get out of here. The the Broncos. So, I'm not one of those who feels like you should just never, ever take a running back in the first two rounds. Whatever. Like, obviously, context matters. I just explained. If you feel like a running back is the last piece of your team and you want to take a running back at the end of round one, whatever. Be my guest. Context matters, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Now that we got that out the way. The Broncos signed Melvin Gordon to a deal last year, right? And I believe this is the last year of that deal, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. So they signed him to a deal last year. He he did what he was supposed to do or whatever, and he's still on the team, mind you. And then they traded up to take Javante Williams in this draft. And it's like, why, though? In the second round, why? You already have Melvin Gordon on the team. Like, your defense need needs need some juice, albeit they did get Patrick Sertain. Your defense needs some juice. I mean, hell, you need a quarterback. I mean, I don't know. Uh, as I said, I feel like there's... The the Rodgers to Broncos stuff is is noise I can't get out of my head because of the, of the surrounding context. But you need a quarterback. You could have used that pick to try and trade up if you need. Uh, hell, you didn't even need to trade up. Sorry, they were picking ninth. But 
I'm just perplexed as to why they felt the need to do that. And, and this year at that, because it's like, we have the same conversation about running backs every year because NFL teams themselves, for the most part, have realized that you don't need to use, you know, high, high draft capital on running backs because everybody has devalued them at this point. Like Jonathan Taylor went, I think it was 41st last year. Like we're going to have the same conversation every year. The running back prospects are going to make it to end of round one, beginning of round two, maybe mid round two, depending on context. Every year, like Cam Akers was drafted in round three last year. Like running backs are just not there's just not going to be high capital attached to them. So if you're the Broncos and you have Melvin Gordon and you likely are are going to play him the entire year, why are you then trading capital to to then to to use on a running back this year? It, it just like it just, it baffles me, and, and I don't hate any of these prospects. It's not about the prospect; it's about the position. It's about the context, and it's about the value. That's all it's about. Because, again, running the ball matters. Who's doing it really doesn't. And using high capital when your team is nowhere close to being, to, to being a promised land kind of team does, just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't care what nobody wants to say about that shit. It just doesn't. So, the Steelers, you are, you are bozos. I'm glad they did it because... I have um, pick one in a couple of rookie drafts, and I'm gonna I'm gonna waltz to go take Najee Harris because he's gonna get all the touches. They're gonna give him all the touches he can handle, so so they can justify taking him around one. So I'm happy he did it. From from a selfish perspective, I think it was stupid though. From a football perspective, the Etienne pick was even dumber. And then I don't know what the fuck the Broncos are doing. So um, anywho. Draft offensive players and draft them early. Don't don't draft running backs in, in round one. Do whatever you want after that. No, nobody cares. Our 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 words of advice from Kevin A. Lewis. Before I get out of here, I would like to plug the the um I'd like to plug the ascension the ascension ascension wow podcast network that I am a part of. So you are listening to my podcast all in, all in with Kevin. Also listen to the Middle Initial podcast with Andrew L. Case and Drew Jackson. They discuss current sports topics and the podcast that no one asked for with Jordan, Kyle, and Paulie as they discuss current pop culture topics. On that note, I am out of here. Rate, review, and subscribe. And I will see you when I see you. Who the hell is Mel Kuyper in a way? I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. We don't have to take anybody that Mel Kuyper says we have to take. Mel Kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing than my neighbor, and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL.